Uh, hopefully we'll return to our study in Proverbs next week. This week I sometimes things uh, sneak up on you. I had a, a funeral this week and took up a lot of my preparation time. Uh, but uh, Lord willing, we'll get back to uh, uh, Proverbs next week. But tonight I want us to look at a passage that um, looked at a number of years back on prayer. And it's verse 8 of Psalm 62. Trust in Him all, at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. The Bible teaches us about prayer. It tells us what to pray for. Uh, we know that prayer is something that goes back to the book of Genesis when it says that men began to call upon the name of the Lord. They began to pray to God. Uh, so much of the Bible is simply prayer. Huge chunks are prayers. The whole of the Psalms, as I said before, are prayers. So much of Paul's, uh, Paul's letters are prayers. He tells the uh, Ephesians and, and the Colossians and many of these people what he's praying for when he's praying for them. We're told of Jesus who prayed all night. And in John 17, we have His high priestly prayer. We have the Lord's prayer. Uh, and on and on it goes. We have the prayers of the saints in the book of Revelation. Uh, and so many of God's saints, like Daniel, uh, prayed. And they are classics when it comes to the study of prayer. But the Psalms also tell us not only the content of the prayer or the frequency of our prayers, but it also tells us the manner in which we are to pray to God. And that is so important. This morning we were considering how the angel communicated to a broken uh, band of disciples the fact of the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Go to, my, go, to, go to the disciples. And then Jesus says, go to my brethren and tell them that I go before them into Galilee. Uh, reminding them in these words of my disciples or my brothers that Jesus was making no pretensions as to the degree of reconciliation. The intensity of, of the fact that Jesus wanted them to know that he was reconciled unto them. He wanted them to know that things were okay. Things were fine between them now. And that they should not be afraid. The women should not be afraid who came to the tomb, nor His disciples who were no doubt overcome with shame and guilt and fear. Jesus puts that to rest. And there is a, a, a kind of a pouring out um, uh, of, from heaven toward men of grace. God's uh, 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 grace in all its uh, glory, in all its freeness, is being poured out upon an otherwise broken people. And this is the, the way it is with the Good Shepherd. There's an extravagance about it. My cup overflows. He anoints my head with oil. He put, lays me down in green pastures besides uh, still waters and so on. Uh, slow running deep waters. There is an extravagance. There is a, a, a richness in the heart of God towards sinners. There's a pouring out. 
And if, if, if we look at the cross, we see that, don't we? He poured out His life for us. He, he shed His blood for us. His body was broken for us. Uh, all of these images speak of the richness by which God comes to us. He was, Jesus was made on the cross a whole burnt offering. That's what those Old Testament sacrifices were pointing toward. Where the animal was consumed on the altar and the, uh, the red heifer, for example, the ashes, the ashes were taken outside the camp and people could go there and mix the ashes with water as a means of forgiveness. But there is that idea where the sacrifice was consumed. That there was nothing left. And this is heaven's response to man's need. It doesn't come in small measure. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit is what? Poured out upon the church. Because Jesus was poured out in redemption and in, in forgiveness. God gave what? His highest and best. He held nothing back. For God so loved the world that He gave His what? Only begotten Son. It's not dealt with in half measures at all. And so there is this sense in which Heaven is being poured out upon us. Jesus, uh, in the garden, is pouring out His heart to the Father. He drinks the cup of damnation, that cup that the Father puts into His hand. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. And Jesus drank that cup, not only in small amounts, but as one person has said, He drank it and He licked it clean. It was all or nothing. That's heaven's response to us. And in like fashion, our response to God is to be with the same measure of, uh, of um, intensity. And the psalmist reminds us here as to what manner we come before God. Trust in Him at all times, O people, Pour out your heart before Him. Trust in Him, He says. Depend upon Him, upon His wisdom, His goodness, His promises, His power, His providence, whatever it is. Depend upon Him. Trust in Him at all times. That's why the Psalms that we were singing earlier, Psalm uh, 66 reminds the people. That's why these things are in the Psalms. There's history in the Psalms. Verse 6 of Psalm 66 To let his people pass on foot through waters broad, he turned the sea into dry land. Let us rejoice in God. And that's just a small taste of the way in which the Psalms incorporate history into the praises of God. So that when, the, when we sing those songs, we're reminded that God can be trusted. God can be depended upon. That He is all-powerful. He brought them out of Egypt, out of the hand of Pharaoh, the most powerful uh, uh, nation 
an empire upon the face of the earth at the time. And he, he not only brought them out, he spoiled the Egyptians. The Egyptian people were giving them gold and silver and all sorts of things to provide for them and to, as they came out. He brings them to the shores of the Red Sea and he splits the water so that they can go through. And they walk through on dry land. And they go up on the other side of the sea and the sea closes in on the Egyptian army. Now that is recorded there so that we might trust God. Because we ourselves find ourselves many times up against the sea in some way or another. Situations that we can't see beyond. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. I don't know where I'm going to turn. I don't have enough money for this. Or I'm, uh, 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 you, a person may fall into a time of sickness. Or they may lose their job or whatever it may be. And they say, I can't see my way beyond this. And some people uh, turn to drastic things like suicide and things like this. They say, there's no way out of this. Like the Philippian jailer. You remember he was going to take his life because there was this earthquake and the, he thought all the prisoners had run away. And Paul says, do no harm to yourself. We are all here. Depend upon Him. Depend on His wisdom and His goodness. As it was for the uh, people of Israel, the centerpiece was the Exodus, wasn't it? The centerpiece was the coming out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. For the church, it's the cross. The church, the church then, as, as the Old Testament focuses on the Exodus as the uh, great event of redemption, the New Testament then focuses on the cross. And so the Apostle Paul says, how shall he not, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely, not freely give us all things? You see what Paul is saying? He's saying just as they celebrated the Exodus, so we celebrate the greater Exodus of Jesus on the cross, bringing you and I out of the dominion of sin into the land flowing with milk and honey, which is the kingdom of heaven. And so we're called upon to trust in Him at all times. And you might say, all times? That's a pretty tall order. Sometimes we feel our trust slipping away when we are in the crucible of difficulty. Trust God? No, I've got to take matters into my own hands. How could... Abraham and Sarah, they, they, they felt, how can we trust God? We've got to take matters into our own hands. And, you know, Sarah would say, I'm barren, I can't have a child. We'll have to have a child by this woman, Hagar. See, they took matters into their own hands because time was slipping away. And uh, they were in their old age and say, look, if, if, if this promise is going to be fulfilled, we have to do it ourselves. How did the disciples and the women feel after Jesus was crucified? Trust God? Believe in God? How is that possible now? When all hope is gone. Trust in Him. Depend on Him. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He was cast into outer darkness. He was made a curse. He was made sin for us. 
He who knew no sin, and yet he still said, My God, my God. He was still trusting in God at all times. At all times. And that's what we are to do. We're to trust in every situation, every emergency to guide us through. No matter what doubts we may entertain, no matter what fears may come upon us. And that's why it's so important that when those times come, you run to God's Word. You take up God's Word. You're in church. You're talking to Christian people. You're, you're uh, going and you're, you're worshiping with the people of God. It's not a time to run away from church. It's not a time to cut yourself off. But it's a time to draw near. As for me, it is good for me to draw near to God. That's what the psalmist says. When all his questions were swirling around, when bitterness had gotten the better of him there in Psalm 73, when everyone seemed to be getting along in the world except him, what did he do? He said, I will, it is good for me to draw near to God. Trust in Him at all times. Trust in Him at all times. Not just in the bad times, but in the good times as well. To trust in Him. To acknowledge that even when your cupboards are full, you still say, give us this day our daily bread. To trust in Him that when, when your bank account is full and your life is going well, that you still say, my identity is not in these things. I'm trusting in God to give me my sense of satisfaction. I'm not looking to these. How many people, you read about them all the time and see them on the news or wherever. And they're, they have everything they want. You think of the, the recent uh, trial, uh, the court trial of Johnny Depp and his, his, his wife. And you see there was a man who, uh, he, has, he starred in one of the great uh, film series of all time. One of the highest rating, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean and so on. You think that man has everything he could possibly want. And there we've spent the last three weeks or more having their lives drug across the television and the internet and papers and all the rest of it, seeing what devastation uh, come, can come into a, a person's life even when they're riding high. Trust in the Lord at all times. We, we read there, uh, when riches increase, there in verse 10, set not your heart on them. Verse, verse 10, if riches increase, set not your heart on them. Trust in the Lord at all times. Don't find your security in money. Don't find your security in these things. Trust in the Lord. What if all these things are to be taken away? As was the case, as I said, over those last few years, when COVID came, when people's businesses were at risk, when people weren't going to come back, and or when... when the potato war hit and people had to destroy many of the, their crops out in the fields. And it could have gotten a lot worse. How quickly things can just drop like that. So that a person is able to say, I will trust in the Lord at all times. Even though my life is going well, I will still draw near to God. Still come to church. Still acknowledge my need of Him. And I will be rich in the things toward God. 
not only enrich in the things of this life. So trust Him, He says, at all times. Pour out your hearts, your heart before Him. Shorter Catechism, the Catechism of our church, it says prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God. An offering up of our desires. This is where our our uh, 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 strength comes from. One person said uh, the strength of a baby is, is in its cry. That that's all that a, ch- a little baby has sometimes. To make itself known is its cry. And that's the way it is with us. We're pouring out of ourselves. A child when it's crying, it's pouring out its need. It, it can't articulate. It can't say what its need is. And that's the way we are sometimes. We can't even identify what our need is. But we're crying out to God. We're groaning in our hearts. And God is able to understand that. Just as a parent who knows their little baby is able to understand, that's not only is, do I know that that's my child crying, but I know what's wrong with them. And so the psalmist is encouraging them not to be held back in their approach to God. But tell them everything they feel. Everything that's going through their hearts and minds. Not holding anything back. That's what pour out means. I was going to reach for my bottle of water, but I left it somewhere. Uh, When you pour something out, you empty it out. You pour out your cup of tea into the sink. You pour something out, it's, it's emptied. And he uses this language to say, don't keep anything back from God. Don't keep anything back from God. Don't simply use prayer as a polite conversation between you and the Lord. That's what the Psalms are all about. They say everything to God. We are far too polite in our conversations with God. Look at Psalm 88, for example. O God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before You. Let my prayer come before You. Incline Your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. In other words, I'm like somebody standing near the grave ready to fall in. I'm a man who has no strength like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. In other words, he's saying, Lord, I feel that you've forgotten me. You've thrown me to the side of the road. You've put me in the pit of the... put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions of, uh, of dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon You, O Lord. I spread out my hands to You. Do You work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up and praise You? Is Your steadfast love declared in the grave? Or Your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are Your wonders known in the darkness? Or Your righteousness in the land of 
forgetfulness. But I, O Lord, cry to You. In the morning my prayer comes before You. O Lord, why do You cast my soul away? Now this is the Holy Spirit. This is not just the ravings of some man. This is the Holy Spirit who's speaking through David. How many times does Jesus say that in the Gospels? That the Spirit of God said through David, X, Y, Z. So what are we finding here? We are, we are, when you take Scripture as a whole, what we're concluding is God is allowing us to pray in this way. And to say things to God that we would in, in normally not say. But we're pouring out our hearts to God. We're letting everything out. Just as you would with a child. Tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what you're afraid of. Let's get to the bottom of it so we can fix it. And so the child says, I'm afraid of this and I'm, af I'm afraid of that. And then, well, you know what? You shouldn't be afraid of this because X, Y, Z, because of, of, of these things. That's not real. And you shouldn't be afraid. And so the child pours out their heart in prayer. They're emptying everything that's there. And as they empty it out, and as they dialogue with their parent or uh, someone in authority, that begin, the, the heaviness, the darkness begins to lift and the light begins to come. That's why as you look through the Psalms, they all start off oftentimes, you know, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. I'm, I'm down in the depths. Lord, if you were to mark sin, who would stand? And then as the psalm goes on, he's full of praise to God. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is plentiful redemption. That's how we come. That's how we talk to God. Not with reservation. Because God does not come to us with reservation. God does not meet us in half measure. He meets us pouring out the blood of His Son. The Spirit of God poured out on the church. God giving His highest and best. He just pours, pours, pours. And so the children of God don't hold anything back. They pour out their hearts to Him. They do not hold back. William Plummer, a commentator, says, we pour out our hearts when we tell Him all that is in our hearts, whether it be our burdens, our griefs, our shame, our penitence, or our joy and gladness. In distress, we sometimes resign ourselves to despondency or despair when we ought to be praying in hope of an, of an early deliverance. So there you go. It's not simply coming to God with burdens. It's not simply coming with fears and sins and all these things. Which, well, yes, that is one of the, a part of it, isn't it? We come to God with all those things. We tell Him the sins in our lives. We, we tell Him what we're struggling with, what our temptations are, what our failures have been. But we don't stop there. We also come to Him with our praises and with our gladness. 
with our wonder. We say, Lord, I am a broken sinner. I, 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 I've left a trail of sin and destruction in my life and I fear even for the future, Lord. But Lord, with You there is mercy and plentiful redemption. And blessed are all who take refuge in You. And Father, I thank You for Jesus. Thank You that He died for such a wretched sinner as me. See, what You're doing is You're pouring out Your heart to God for all of what He is and all of who He is. David, King David in Psalm 51, he, he gets right down to the nitty-gritty of his origins. I was conceived in sin. And in iniquity, my mother brought me forth. I was a... Lord, he, it's not just good enough for David to catalog all the things he's done in his life. He takes it right back prenatal. <laughs> prenatal sin. Prenatal guilt. <laughs> he goes back into the womb. And he says, I was a dirty, rotten sinner even from the time I was conceived. That's pouring out your heart, isn't it? That's doing a lot of thinking. But he can do it, you see. He's, he's able to do it because he knows his God. He's able to go back even to the moment of his conception and say, I, was, I had a sinful nature even from the womb. But, Lord... With you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than the snow. Deal with me in your covenant mercy. You see, that's how we pour our hearts out to God. Not only in confession, but in praise. Because it all comes back to Jesus. Jesus enables us to do it. We don't have to hold anything back. We don't have to be afraid of admitting to God, this is the way I am. Do you do that? Do you find yourself inhibited and really coming to terms with yourself and saying, look, this is what I'm really like. You don't have to be. You don't have to be afraid of bringing it all out into the light. You can do that now because of Jesus. And when you bring that all out into the light and you realize that Jesus died as we were seeing this morning for the chief of sinners, for the, for the worst sins in the face of the earth, then you are able then not to turn penitence into praise. Your confession of sin into the confession of God's goodness. This is the difference the cross makes. This is how the heart is transformed to enable it to be poured out in response to God. You see? He's a God who pours out on you. And as His child, you pour back on Him. You pour back as you come to Him every day. Your heart, your fears, your regrets... But you also pour out your thankfulness. How many times have we seen in Colossians, as we've been studying Colossians and uh, Ephesians, Paul keeps saying, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. It's just peppered all through, isn't it? 
And so that's the measure by which we come in our prayers. We pour out our hearts to God. We hold nothing back. And if we find ourselves being too reserved about ourselves or can't think enough about you know, the, the things that might be wrong with us, all it takes is getting into the Psalms and, 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 and reflecting a little bit on God's Word. And then we, the law helps us to discover what we are really like. Which is what the law was given for. To show us what we're really like. And as we see that, we begin to cry out to God. We begin to pour out our heart to God. Say, as the Apostle Paul, Oh, wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from this body of death? I give thanks to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see what's happening? You've got the two things within one sentence. Oh, wretched man that I am! He's pouring out his heart... The things that I want to do, I don't do them, Lord. And the things that I do, I hate them. I hate, I hate the way I am, God. You see, he's not holding anything back. It's an intense passage of Scripture. But as he owns up to it, as he comes clean, God freshly reminds him of the full redemption that he has in Christ. I thank God who gives us the victory in Jesus. That's the end. And then Romans 8 starts. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Poor, Paul's pouring out in Romans there. Until he comes to the end of Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His ways past finding out. Do you ever find yourself saying that in your prayers to God? Oh, the depth. Oh, the love. Oh, the grace toward me, a sinner, oh Lord. Why do you have anything to do with me? Have praise to your glorious name. And so David says here, pour out your hearts before Him. Or as Peter says, casting all your cares upon Him, knowing that He cares for you. Spurgeon says, to keep our griefs to ourselves is to hoard up wretchedness. The stream will swell and rage if, it, if you dam it up. Give it clear course. And it leaps along and creates no alarm. This is how we speak to God. We empty ourselves. We empty ourselves. We pour out our hearts to God and then allow Him to refill us, refresh us. We tell Him everything. Psalm 142 says, I pour out my complaint to Him. I tell my trouble before Him. And so we tell Him everything. How we wrestle with sin. How sin sometimes gets the dominion over us. How our sins rise up before us as mountains, says the psalmist. They're more than the hairs of my head. We tell Him that. We tell Him that we desire worldly things more than Him sometimes. We tell Him that. We're honest. We say, Lord, my love is so small for Jesus. We tell Him that. We say, Lord, I mourn over this. Lord, I've been a Christian for umpteen years and I still get more excited about the things of the world than I get about Your Word and Your Kingdom. You confess that. You pour out your heart to Him. 
You hold nothing back. This is what David does. This is what all the greats of the Bible do. For God, he says, this is the last word, God is a refuge for us. God is a refuge. In other words, there is no danger in pouring out your heart to God. He is a refuge. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains be cast into the heart of the sea, We don't find a judge when we come to Him. We don't find someone who condemns us. But we find a refuge. We find a Savior. We find someone who will cleanse us and fill us and remind us that where our sins abound, grace does all the more abound. We come to the One who says, My grace is sufficient for you. Though we be buffeted by the devil, As Paul said he was. I was given a thorn in the flesh and three times I went to the Lord and I pleaded with the Lord, remove this from me. I find this overwhelming. And he says to me, my grace is enough for you. What a wonderful thing, friends, when we're overwhelmed in sin, when we're fighting that good fight against sin, To know that at the end of the day, His grace is sufficient for whatever we are going through. Paul says when we do this, when we bring all our supplications and prayers to Him, that the peace of God guards our hearts and minds. The writer of Hebrews says, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. And so it's not just thinking about prayer in terms of the prayer list or the the content of our prayers. But we discover something in this verse about the nature of our relationship with God. That just as a little child can cry out and immediately touch the heart and the mind of the parent, where the parent immediately moves in to satisfy that child. So it uncovers the same nature of our relationship with God. That when we cry, the Spirit of God takes those cries before the Father. And the Father hears our cry. He is attentive to our cry. He knows that it's coming from the very pit of our hearts. And He is glorified in hearing and showing mercy to us. And so, the psalmist has learned by experience that we are to pour our hearts out before the Lord. We are to trust in Him at all times. For God is a refuge. That was his, that's been His experience. And all we need to do is look to the cross. Look to Jesus, who not only teaches us to pray, but models it on the cross for us. He goes ahead of us, 
hanging there in the darkest moment of human history and he still says, my God, my God. He is owning God. He is crying out to him. And that psalm that speaks of his forsakenness also speaks of his re-ingathering. When he says, yet you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. They cried out to you and were saved. They were never disappointed. That's how Psalm 22 goes on. So Jesus not only teaches us to pray, He models that for us on the cross to say to us, trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is a refuge for us. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that You would help us. Prayer is the greatest thing we do in life. Greater than working, greater than socializing, greater than anything else. Because it is there we find our strength. It is there our burdens are lifted. Our guilt is removed. Our sins are cleansed. It is there we have new hope. Help us, O oh Father, to come to You with the same intensity with which You come and pour out Your love and mercy and forgiveness upon us. Lord, help us not to come to You with cold hearts and in half measure because that's not the way You came to us. Please, Lord, cause our hearts to be poured out upon You the way You poured Yourself out for us. Grant now to us Your blessing as we sing our parting song of praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.